Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. So we begin to live off of what he did years ago, and all of a sudden there's no real strong ties to him today. There's no real passionate pursuit of him today. It's all about what he did years ago. But my friend, he's trying to do a new thing in you today. God is trying to make a way for you right now. Forget those things that are behind. Oh, I know I have a past. We all have a past. But to those who have been washed in His blood, all my past has been washed away. So forget what is behind. Forget about anything that hinders the pursuit of Christ. Church, forget about it. Leave it under the blood where it's supposed to be. the Lord everybody amen what a what a great song to open up this last Sunday in 2018 with and if, if we are going to be anything in 2019 it is going to be because going to be by because we have the hand of God uh, on our on this church amen and I want to take him by the hand going into this next year I want to be led by him and everything that I do I want to be led by him in the church I want to be led by him in my family amen and everything that I do we ought to always be sensitive to the Spirit of God and just let him lead us amen and he will he will if we'll allow him amen great to be in the house of the Lord uh, grab your Bibles if you uh, will this morning and turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3 Begin reading in verse 13. Read a few verses here. Very familiar portion of scripture. In fact, I have um, I have taught on it probably a couple times, maybe even in the last year or so. Uh, Philippians 3:13 says, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind." and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in, if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule let us mind the same thing. Amen. I just want to speak to you just for the next little bit on this title and fully aware of us heading into the new year. Title this morning is Forgetting and Reaching. Forgetting and Reaching. Amen. Would you help me pray this morning? We want the Lord's will to be done in this place. Lord, we love you today. Lord, what a privilege and honor it is to stand in your house. God, to stand in your presence. Lord, to stand before you, a holy king. Lord, we just invite you in this place right now. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. God, and I pray, God, for your word to go forth. Let it find good soil in this place today. Challenge us, God, in this place. 
Let us be sensitive to your spirit, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. How many of you in here today have a favorite verse in the Bible? You have a favorite verse, one that, you know, don't be all like, well, I love the whole Bible. No, I get it. I, I get that. But, you know, a, a lot of us, there is, a, there is a favorite verse. There is a favorite passage. And... Um, most all of us have a scripture that has moved us, one that we, one that we placed on our refrigerator at home, one that, we, one that we put on the desk at work, or maybe even a note in your car, something to remind you uh, of the power that is found in that scripture. And really, even, even, people, even people who don't know who Jesus is could still probably give us a scripture and sure, it's probably taken out of context for their benefit, but they could nonetheless still give you a, a scripture, a verse that they uh, have heard that they love. Almost all of us has a favorite verse. And, and, and one of the things that I've, I've learned is it's really the same nine verses in the Bible. <laughs> I know some of us are out there and we're like, oh, Lamentations and stuff like that. There's a verse in there that I really love. But, you know, a, a lot of times it, it, we share, most of the time we share the, the same verse. We all have the same favorite verse. And Philippians 4.13 is one of those verses that we love to quote. We put it on a t-shirt, on a coffee mug, and, and we write it on and hang it on a wall at our home. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, that's one that we like a lot. We, and, and we've all had those days, you know, after our fourth Monday in a row and life is just, is, is just beating us up, you know, and, and, and just tearing us apart. We love to, to like, oh yes, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ. And, you know, that's how we think to ourselves, how am I going to make it? This is how I'm going to make it. The scripture comes open and we're like, ah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read that and I'm going to remind myself and we let it encourage us. Philippians 4.13. Romans 8.28 is, is one of those scriptures. Psalms 23 is, is another one, favorite passage. Jeremiah 29.11, for I, I know the thoughts I have towards you. On and on and on we could go with, with these scriptures that you see a lot on social media. You see a lot uh, on coffee mugs and, and, and such. But and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, the, that's what the Word is there for. Amen. Anybody thankful that you could turn to the Word of God for encouragement, amen, on a dark, stormy day? Uh, amen. That's what the Word is there for. It's for us to, to find encouragement, for us to find strength for this journey that we are all on today. We could honestly stop and have a conversation here and pull out all the scriptures, all of the verses that we love, but we don't really have time. But those are the kind of texts, those are the kind of verses that we, that we turn to in times of like, I need refreshing, I need encouragement, I need some joy today, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But then we, we have these other passages of scripture that, that if, if we are not careful... They can cause us to have an unbelievable amount of uneasiness and, dare I say, frustration. 
And, and it could possibly, again, if we're not careful, it could possibly even have the power to create some doubt in our lives. Like, let me give you what I'm talking about here. Philippians 3 is where we're going to be, uh, you know, parking the car at this morning. You know, we, we read it this morning, uh, but I want to I jump back to verse 7. Philippians 3 says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but rubbish, that I may win Christ. Might know that scripture, know that passage? We know that passage. He says that I may count them as rubbish. The Greek word, the Greek idea is, is dung here. It is waste. Does anybody need another word? Or are you following me here this morning? All right, I won't give you another word there. All right, got it. He goes on. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. What an amazing text found right here in Philippians 3. I love this text. It is it is inspirational. It is, it, is, it is beautiful, it is motivating, and, and I absolutely love it until I place my life on it. Until I place my life on this text. And if I'm being completely honest with you here this morning, I think you would agree with me, if you're being honest, that this text can be a little heavy. It can be a little heavy because what the apostle Paul just said was in my life everything was of lesser value than Christ and I'll pay any price to know him more he says you want to take my health you can take my health because he's better than my health you want to take my kids my family then take my family because he's better than my family you want to take all that then take it because everything everything I count as loss compared to the surpassing Passing greatness of Jesus Christ. I read these words, church, from the Apostle Paul, and it's almost impossible to comprehend. He said, I count it all as loss. I count them as rubbish. Here I am, been in church since I was 14 years old. I've been in this 18 years. 18 years is my journey with Christ. And I'm hearing these words from Paul, and I think to myself, I'm nowhere near that. I'm nowhere near where Paul is at. And so this is one of those texts that if I'm not careful and we're not careful, it is paralyzing to us. Like it makes me begin to question, am I really committed? Am I? I read that and honestly, Paul was committed. Paul had it. And I read that, I'm like, Bryce, where are you at? Like, what? You see, here's why a lot of people love David. <laughs> because we read about David, David, and we're like, I get it. 
I get it. You love God. God's great. God's good. This is why a lot of people love the Psalms. There's a lot of favorite verses found in the book of Psalms. We read David's Psalms where he talks about how good God is, how great God is, and we get it. We love it. We love David. But then you turn to the New Testament and you find this man, Paul, and he's like, hey, to live is Christ. To die is gain. And we're like, I don't want to, I don't want to die. Slow, slow down, Paul. Where, where are you going with this? I mean, are you catching that this morning? He doesn't say, he doesn't say all things are secondary next to Christ. He says all things are dung compared to Christ. So, so that's what I mean. That's what I mean when I say we love David. Then you get into Paul and you're just like, Paul, I don't know if you and I know the same Jesus or not. Like, do you know, are we talking about the same guy? We read that. And, and so this is a text that I'm talking about this morning that can be very weighty and frustrating and difficult if we're not careful. And here we are wrapping up 2018. A new year is just in a couple days. And I don't know if you've thought about it at all, but there is something very interesting about this time of year in our culture. It's this time of year that everybody, for whatever reason, believes that they can be more in this next year than they were in this past year. Right? We can be more in this next year. 95% of people right now are going to the gym on Tuesday. 95% are going to the gym. We, we heard from our gym owner the other day. They've already ordered in new, uh, new little badges and everything like that. Even in December, they're saying, hey, the newcomers, they're starting early this year. They're coming in December. 95%. Now, the fact is only 20% are actually going. 95% are planning to go. Because what happens is this. I'm at the, uh, there's this phenomenon. I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to get it right this year. This is the year. I've got it this year. This is what I'm going to do. And there's this evaluation period that takes place in our culture at this time of year because everything on social media, everything on the radio, everything on your television sends this message, start the new year right. Start the new year right. Start off on the right foot. There's this idea of newness. There's an idea of an opportunity of freshness to walk away from things that have hindered you, that have trapped you, that have attacked you along your journey, things that have wore you down. And the, and the message is do things differently next year. There's a, new, there's a newness about what's coming around the corner. And so at this time of year, I'm, I'm looking in my office last night at this text and I'm going we can make strides this year we can we can uh, go a little bit further but it's always with a great deal of hesitation because and some of you might get this some of you might not I don't know but whenever I was in school on the first day of class uh, a couple years ago when I was in school I, on the first day, I had, I had it all. I had my backpack loaded, paper, pens, pencils, erasers, you name it, glue stick. 
I had it. Crayons. Not in high school when I was younger. Crayons. And I actually said it right. I said crayons. My wife's so proud of me over there. Sorry. Crowns. But I had it all. I was organized. I was ready. It was just perfect. One month later, I'm the guy sitting there. Hey, man, do you have a pen? Hey, man, do you got a paper? Hey, can I borrow a pen? Hey, can I borrow a pencil? Anybody? Who's that guy? Come on. Let's be honest this morning. All right. Nobody's going to be honest with me this morning. That's all right. And so I know historically that I am that guy. So it, it, it is with anticipation and a little nervousness that I approach 2019. But I love what Paul says next in verse 12. He says, not that I have already attained, am already perfect. And for me, I'm going, whew, okay. Because I want to be this man that Paul is talking about in Philippians 3. I want to be that guy. I want to be Philippians 3 with all my heart. And Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I want you to notice something really interesting in the text here. There seems to be in the text, we read above it, and there's this little line. There's this sense of discontentment in the heart of Paul, which is mind-boggling if you begin to study the life of Paul. Like, Paul in the text is going, I want to know him. And I'm reading and thinking to myself, Paul, didn't you get to hear the audible voice of Jesus Christ? Did you not get to hear his voice? And and Paul, you wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You are the greatest missionary that our faith has ever seen. Your handkerchief literally can heal people. And you want to know him. I think to myself, Paul, it seems that you already know him. You already know know him but Paul's going no 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 I'm not that man yet I'm not the one that counts it all as loss and so I'm not there yet you see there seems to be this holy discontentment built into the heart and soul of Paul that he goes no matter what I've seen no matter what I've experienced no matter what I have heard You see, church, this is a man that has seen some things well beyond us. He's been a part of some experiences that you and I can dream about. When Paul comes across someone who is sick and needs a touch, he literally just walks to him and says, quit it, stand up, and walk. And they do. This is what this man has been a part of. And here he is saying, I'm not there yet. I want to know him. I want to know him deeper. And there is something about this discontentment that's supposed to be hardwired into our soul. Here's the great apostle Paul saying, I want to know him and so I press on because I'm not there yet. I haven't attained. I haven't been made perfect. So I press on and then we reach down to verse 13 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. And you know, you know Paul is a preacher because he says one thing and then he lists out three things right here. It's a dead giveaway. He says this one thing, but he lays out three things for us to do. But church, they all go together. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now I want to stop right there. According to scripture, there can be things in our past. Events. Periods of time, circumstances, there can be things that we've been a part of that can make difficult the pursuit of Jesus. There can be things in our past, things that we've been a part of, things that we've operated in, periods of time in our life that can hinder our current pursuit. Paul is not writing this in some abstract way, but a personal experience. And let me show you what I mean. You turn in your Bibles to Acts 7 you'll find where the church is enjoying probably the most peaceful time in history. Things are going well. Miracles are happening. Uh, uh, amazing things were going on. Hundreds, if not thousands, were getting saved daily. And now on a given Saturday, a man named Stephen gets up and he preaches a message, not unlike the messages that were going out in the synagogues, but this time it's going to turn violently wrong. And you turn down to verse 54. It says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him but he full of the Holy Ghost gazed into the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he said behold I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him and then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him they cast this man out and they stoned him. And the witnesses, the Bible says, laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Who would become the Apostle Paul. The one that you and I are discussing here this morning. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, the Bible says he fell asleep. Turn over to Acts 1. Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And then in chapter 9, we find where it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues, so that if he found any belonging to this way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So I want you to get this in your head with me this morning. This young man walks out with a mob of people, sees the man for speaking. They dragged him to the outskirts of the city and they stoned him to death. And then he goes to the high priest. 
He doesn't receive orders. He goes to the high priest and says, if you'll give me letters, I'll go to Damascus and I'll bind any man and any woman belonging to this way and I'll drag them back here to be mocked, to be killed, to be in prison. Just say the word. Do you think that there's a possibility that years later when Paul writes, forgetting what is behind, you think he might be writing about his own demons? You think he might be writing about his own past? You know, shame is unbelievably burdensome. And I I think of many of us, we've got that period of time, we've got that thing that we've done in that moment, whether you are a believer or a non-believer, whether you are spiritual or non-spiritual, in the deepest parts of us, we just feel shame. There are things that haunt us as believers, something we were a part of that we knew we shouldn't have been. And so we try to get rid of that feeling and we busy ourselves. We do whatever we can to get rid of the anxiety, to get rid of the shame, to get rid of the guilt. And so what ends up happening is maybe years later, maybe months later, maybe days later, we find ourselves uh, uh, trying to get rid of that feeling. And, 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 and we find ourselves in maybe a church service where God renews us again or we find him for the very first time and he saves us and we lay our lives at his feet. But then every time we try to draw near him, we're reminded, we're reminded of failure. We're reminded of something that we did, something in our past and that thing it begins to define us it begins to say this is who you are this is all you will ever be and no matter how often we hear about the grace and the mercy of Christ we just can't believe that it's for us because we're going now not what I did not what not what I was a part of There's no way. The guilt and the shame and the dirtiness that we feel, there's just no way. And before we even think even further, we just write ourselves off and we think there's no way that His grace and His mercy can reach us. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You're going to have to forget what is behind You're going to have to let now I don't think he means forget everything because there's certain parts of the scripture where it says to we're supposed to remember some things like you're supposed to remember the good things that God has done for you. You're supposed to remember the times that he's brought you through and and you're supposed to gain encouragement those hold on to those things and and but he's saying you got to forget those things that are behind. I know I'm talking about shame and guilt here this morning, but I want to address, address something else here too, because I run across a lot of people who are living off of what Jesus did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago, and that's okay, but they, it is robbing them of what Jesus is trying to do for them in the present day and hour that we live in. And so we begin to live off of what he did years ago, and all of a sudden there's no real strong ties to him today there's no real passionate pursuit of him today it's all about what he did years ago but my friend he's trying to do a new thing in you today God is trying to make a way for you right now 
Paul's words ring true. Forget what is behind. 1 Timothy 1.12 says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, an opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to hear what just happened. He says, I was a blasphemer, I was an insolent murderer, I was a man who attacked and persecuted the children of God. And you know what God gave me in return? Mercy, love, faith. Yes. Why? Well, look why the scripture says it was given to him. Verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul says, Jesus extended mercy mercy and grace and love to me me who was wrong who was a sinner and, and, and people somebody who was doing the wrong thing so that for you in 2018 going into 19 no matter what is in your past you can't trump what Paul experienced you can't do it So for those of us that are sitting here today going, I try. I mean, I just try to press in. I just can't imagine that this applies to me, Bryce. Paul echoes throughout history saying, what? What did you do? Did you kill somebody? Don't show of hands. (laughs) Did you murder somebody? Paul says, let me ask you a question. Have you ever found a group of men and women and children and stripped them of all their clothing and beat them and bound them up and led them through the cities until all the way to Jerusalem and there imprisoned them or killed them? No, you didn't. Then why the pity party? Paul's saying, so the cross can apply to me, but not you. He said, did I ever tell you about the time I was consenting unto the death of Stephen? And so what was it that you did again? Paul said, forget forget those things that are behind oh I know I have a past we all have a past but to those who have been washed in his blood all my past has been washed away so forget what is behind forget about anything that hinders the pursuit of Christ church forget about it leave it under the blood where it's supposed to be the devil has lied to you for far too long he has shamed you for far too long he has allowed you to feel guilt For far too long. That's the first part. I know I'm running out of time this morning. But forget. Forget. In 2019, we better be forgetting. Forget what's behind us and move on and reach for the things that are ahead. And that's what Paul says. Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling 
of God in Christ Jesus. Paul forgets those things that are behind and then he moves on to reaching for those things that are before. I want to say this. If you just give me just a few more minutes here. There's something very mysterious about conversion. How many of you know that conversion is not a single event, but it is a process of events? Yes. It, it, is a, it is a process. Every journey has a beginning. A time and a place where we made a decision to follow Christ. We repented, got baptized, filled with the Spirit. But we continue on in the journey. We must grow in our faith. And that is a process. You see, godliness does not happen by accident. No one wakes up on Monday morning godly. But you know what it is? It is I press, I strive, I reach. That's what it is. Let me show you what I mean. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible now, he's not talking about athletes that play pickup basketball down at the local gym with the boys on Saturday night. Okay? That's not, not what he's talking about. He's saying at the highest level of athletics, there is a self-discipline that's mind-boggling. And every aspect of their life is built around optimal performance. From what they eat, to how much they sleep, to how much they exercise, to what they do, how they go about it. Everything is designed to peak at an optimal performance. And here's what Paul says. He says, they do it for a crown that is perishable. But we do that, that you and I should have the same uh, uh, crown, but ours is an imperishable. But here's the deal. You and I should have that same consuming discipline in our lives because we don't pursue what is temporary, but we pursue what is eternal. Yes. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. If our music would come this morning. The English Standard Version says it this way. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. And keep it under control. That's an amazing thing that's going on in Scripture. Paul said, I discipline my body. I keep it under control. Now I want you to notice, Paul is saying, hey, in my pursuit, church, you have a pursuit. You're on a journey this morning. We're all on a journey. Paul is saying, in my journey, in my pursuit of becoming the man that you find in Philippians 3. He said, to become that kind of man, he's saying, I don't run aimlessly. 
I don't run with uncertainty. I don't punch at the air. But I know where I'm going. I know where I'm headed. I know the areas in my life that need to grow. And I got a plan to make them grow. Paul is saying, hey, I don't just play church. I don't just join a church and hope for the best. That's not what I do. I don't run aimlessly. But I'm running on purpose. I'm running with the purpose. I'm not swinging at the air. But I'm fighting anything. That would hinder my pursuit. I don't come to church and sit on a pew and hope the pastor preaches to me. I don't come just to take a space, just to say that I was there. I'm not running aimlessly. I'm running on purpose. I'm reaching. You know, if I could be really honest with you here this morning, in this life, I see a lot of wanderers, not travelers. Church, we are pilgrims just passing through. Yes. We are travelers yes. headed to a sure destination. But what I see is a lot of wanderers. And I get it. I know that bad things happen to everyone. But sadly what happens a lot is that bad things happen. People get frustrated. They get upset. And they start to wander. They wander out into the world thinking that what they need is found in a job, is found in a meal, is found in a bottle. And they think everything would be okay if they could just temporarily numb the pain. And they cry out, feed me, feed me, give me this, give me that, give me sleep, give me rest, give me something to make this stop. But what they really need is Jesus Christ. What they really need is to press in and pray. Forget those things that are behind and reach forth to the things that are ahead. Find an altar, my friend, and throw yourself at the feet of Jesus again and let Him take control of your life. But a lot of times, it's the last thing that we do. That's the last thing. And this is what Paul's saying here. He's going, look, this is what my flesh wants. This is what my flesh craves. But it's not what it needs. It's not. He says, I discipline my body. I keep it under control. I don't run aimlessly. I know where I'm headed. And I know what I got to do. I know I got enemies. And I'm trying to fight those enemies. First Timothy 4 and 7 says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. If you would stand with me this morning. That's an interesting way to put that there, Paul exercise thyself 
unto godliness. The Greek word there is actually gymnasium. It's where we get our word gymnasium. And it, it, and it means this. It means to sweat. Interesting, right? Sweat yourself to godliness. Sweat yourself. And he says this. For bodily exercise is profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Exercise, gymnasium. Man, the gym is going to be full on Tuesday morning. There's going to be a ton of people. Go out, get memberships, join. There's going to be a majority of people walking in like, Dude, that, I, that is a bench press. I don't know what you're doing, but please get off of it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. The gym's going to run out of towns, and they're going to be a big mess. But six weeks, maybe less, it will be the same old group of people. And I think the reason that happens is that people, people just go, all right, I got to do something. I need, I need to get better. I need, I need to get better. And, and they really haven't defined what that is. They really don't know what, what it is, and they, they really don't know what they're doing. And so they go out and they pay, they pay 500 bucks uh, to join a gym, and then they go there, and they don't really know what they're doing or, or, or how to go about it, and there's no real plan. There's no real way to measure. And so I honestly believe that that, 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 that happens. People get out there and be like, I don't, I don't know. And here's the deal. I believe the same thing happens for us spiritually. I think what ends up happening to us, church, as we go, I'm weak at this. I got to get better at this. I got to read my Bible more. I got to. I got to pray more. I got to study more. I got to. Med- I got to meditate. I've got to do this. I've got to. I've got to fast. And and the question is, when are you going to do it? And and, and the response is 2019. 2019 is my year. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to do it. This is what it's going to happen. But you know what? It's not. You know why? Because godliness doesn't happen because of wanting to. It happens because of reaching and pressing and striving and training and fighting and discipline. Church, it happens when we run on purpose, not aimlessly, but with a made-up mind. I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm going. Sure, things are going to happen, but I've got a plan. I'm not wandering on this journey. You see, some people live life, but most people have life lived them. And if I could encourage you today in the most practical way possible, I would say that tomorrow night, before you do the countdown or before you go to bed at 9.30. (laughs) 
whatever it is, before you go home and go to bed, I would spend some time asking yourself, where am I running? Where am I headed? Because if we're going to become just like the man in Philippians 3, I count it all as loss. That will not, listen to me, that will not accidentally happen. It will have to be fought for and strived for. You ever wonder why Paul says, labor with me in prayer. Work with me in prayer. It's like he acknowledges, hey, this ain't going to be easy. You're going to sweat a little bit. Church, in 2019, I ask you, are you ready to forget and reach? Are you ready to forget and reach? Growing this church is going to be reaching, striving, pressing. Growing spiritually, reaching, striving, pressing. Bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Thank you for listening to Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.